it's been more than two years now since Belarus's longtime dictator Alexander Lukashenko claimed victory in national elections there, extending his 26-year reign. Um, he's a good friend of Vladimir Putin's, or at least a friend of convenience of Vladimir Putin's. They play hockey together. I imagine you might have seen some of those videos. They're pretty funny because neither of them can really skate. But anyway, um, and there was a wave of protests met by a violent crackdown. Um, opponents alleged that the real winner in 2020 was opposition leader Svetlana Tsitskanovskaya, who only ran after her husband, an opposition politician, was jailed or detained by the regime. Uh, here she is in 2020 describing what happened in her country. This year, something changed in Belarus, a country of more than 9 million people that has been ruled by an authoritarian leader since 1994. These young women were protesting the latest rigged election result, which had taken just a few days earlier. Their small expressions of protest very quickly expanded into massive, peaceful, women-led demonstrations all across the country. Within just a few days, a few hundred thousand people took to the streets and demonstrations have continued ever since, the likes of which Belarus has never seen before. All this despite the fact that the president proclaimed himself re-elected and that more than 10,000 people have been detained, hundreds tortured, and at least six killed. That is Svetlana Tsitskonskaya, now in exile in Latvia, by the way, where she continues her fight for reform in Belarus. Her husband remains in jail in Belarus as we speak. Now, that work took on a whole new dimension after Russia invaded Ukraine. Of course, Putin had propped up his neighbor and the dictator's fellow dictator Lukashenko, both militarily and economically, in the face of those protests. And now Belarus, which also has a border with Ukraine, was used as a launching ground for that war. Over the past few days, Tsitskanovskaya has been in Canada, uh, first attending a security conference in Halifax and then heading to Ottawa to meet with federal officials. It is a first visit to this country for Belarus's exiled opposition leader, where she is looking for tougher sanctions from us on Minsk, sanctions that we can we can enforce. Um, and she says her country's soldiers would defect and lay down their weapons if ordered by Russia to or if ordered to join Russia's war in Ukraine. And I caught up with her on Sunday from Halifax. And joining me now is Svetlana Tsitskanovskaya. She's Belarus's democratically elected leader, uh, but has been in exile for many years now. And she's in Canada for the first time this first time this week um, to talk about the plight of Belarus to Canadian leadership. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning. For listeners who may not be entirely familiar with what happened back in, uh, in 2020, uh, explain a bit about you won the Democratic, you won the elections in 2020. And after that, there was a crackdown and uh, the current president, Lukashenko, essentially um, cracked down on, on your on your win. And you've been in exile ever since. Yeah, actually, you know, our country has been living under the dictatorship of Lukashenko for 28 years. Uh, in 2020, you know, people were fed up with this dictatorship. And uh, after fraudulent elections, uh, people rose up. Uh, I was an opponent of Lukashenko in uh, these elections. Uh, actually, I have never dreamed about uh, politician career, but uh, when it was my husband, you know, who wanted mm -hmm. to participate in elections, but he was jailed, um, and I stepped uh, 
instead of him. So uh, according to alternative counting of votes, um, I won these elections, and uh, but Lukashenko declared himself as president, and massive uh, uprising or revolution took place in uh, Belarus. Uh, many, many weeks uh, in a row, people went out of the streets to oppose their results. But Lukashenko's regime uh, answered with brutality. Thousands of people, about 50,000 of people have been detained at that period of time. I had to flee Belarus uh, because of threats from the government. Uh, the yeah. number of political prisoners was in prison every day. Now the official number is 1,400, but we even don't know about all people who were arrested on political motivated cases. Right, including your husband, right? You're still, he's still in jail. Yeah, my husband is in jail since 2020. And, uh, you know, not only my husband, but all people who are political prisoners, they uh, endure extreme difficulties in jails because the attitude to them is much worse than to ordinary prisoners. Uh, you know, people are often put in punishment cells. They are abused. They are tortured. They are humiliated physically and morally just to show that you are an uh, enemy of this regime and you have to suffer. Clearly what's happened is, we, I remember people were paying a lot of attention to what was going on in Belarus, but the war in Ukraine has, has overshadowed a lot of things. What would you hope to achieve during your visit? So uh, I'm really glad to be here. It's my first uh, official visit here. I'm going to meet Prime Minister and Minister of Foreign Affairs and to talk to parliamentarians about the situation in Belarus. Uh, now, yes, you're right that uh, all the world attention is focused on Ukraine and actually we fully support uh, this attention. But maybe people in Canada don't know how fates of Ukraine and Belarus are intertwined. Because when the war has started and Lukashenko dragged our country into this war, he became collaborant to Putin, accomplice to Putin, gave our territories for uh, Russian equipment, for Russian troops, and actually uh, several cities of uh, Ukraine have been, have been bombed from territory of Belarus. Belarus became a country co-aggressor. And not a lot of people know that it's very important to distinguish Belarusian regime and Belarusian people, mm -hmm. because Belarusian people are opposing to the war. When the war has started, massive rally took place in Belarus. And since then, you can be detained not only when you're opposing the regime, but also when you show anti-war uh, mood. If you uh, sing Ukrainian song, if you go with Ukrainian flag or you comment um, on Twitter, for example, with anti-war position, you also can be sentenced for many, many years in jail. Really? Uh, we are asking uh, all democratic countries, you know, including Canada, to um, support person people to get rid of the regime. We are asking uh, our democratic allies to create multiple points of pressure on the regime, political pressure, economic pressure through sanctions on the one hand, but on the other hand, to help our people to keep the energy, you, you know, to move on. Because two years of fight is rather long period of time and people are getting exhausted. But when people see that they are welcomed in uh, the Western world, in the world of democracy, that we feel uh, this support and we get energy from this. We are asking uh, Canada to assist our uh, military volunteers, uh, Belarusian military volunteers who are fighting on the side of Ukrainians at this very moment. I, I, I know that uh, Canadian people and Canadian government are stand with Belarusians, but uh, we would be grateful for practical help. 
Svetlana Tsikuriskaya is with us this half hour. She is Belarus's uh, leader in exile, really the winner of the 2020 uh, democratic elections in Belarus. Uh, she's not. She's in exile now. Her husband has been imprisoned. We know there was a crackdown on the democracy movement in Belarus. She's in Canada visiting our leadership, looking for support for democracy in in Belarus as well. Uh, Svetlana, when you look at the, the fates of Ukraine, I mean, clearly whatever happens in Ukraine is going to have such a huge impact on Belarus, how much how much change has happened within the country itself? Because it's hard to tell from the outside. How much change has there been since the war in Ukraine started back in February? You know, when Ukrainian uh, Russian Ukrainian war started, the Belarusian people uh, have been united in anti-war movement. But because uh, people in Belarus now live in, in the atmosphere of tyranny and terror with everyday detentions, it's difficult to uprise uh, visibly. And so that's why our uh, movement, uh, you know, went underground. And actually, when the war has started, uh, Belarusian partisans made 80 acts of sabotage on railways. That's and right. through yeah, through Belarusian territory, Russian equipment, Russian troops were delivered by railway, and it actually slowed down uh, Russian invasion on uh, uh, Kiev. But you know what's going on now in, in Belarus through uh, Belarusian and uh, Russian propaganda, Lukashenko's regime try uh, to persuade Belarusian people that Ukrainians are our enemies, that they uh, are going to attack us. And it's also a very uh, serious problem, and we have to counter this propaganda. We are trying to deliver Belarusian people who are inside the country the truth. And uh, Lukashenko's regime uh, proclaimed all the alternative media as extremists. And if right. a person inside the country reads uh, alternative media or uh, watching YouTube uh, um, uh, video of uh, those media, they also can be uh, jailed and sen- sentenced for years in jail. I mean, we see, we, we see Lukashenko and Putin playing hockey together. I mean, are they actually friends? <laughs> or, or Because clearly, Vlad, the, you know, the Kremlin doesn't respect Belarusian identity any more than it respects Ukrainian identity. Not a friendship between Lukashenko and Putin. I would say it's symbiotic uh, friendship. You know, they just use each other when it's necessary. Now Lukashenko and Putin need each other because uh, Putin or Lukashenko needs Putin as uh, his political uh, guarantee. And without Putin, Lukashenko wouldn't politically survived in 2020. Uh, Putin supported him. For Putin, Lukashenko yeah, is necessary as a loyal partner who fulfills all uh, Putin's orders, just allow Russian troops to be on our land, to uh, allow Russian equipment or Russian trainings at our territory. <laughs> it's fake yeah. friendship, actually. Yeah, it, it, but clearly, it, when we look at what's happening in Ukraine, it's hard to ignore what's happening. In, I mean, we haven't spent as much time paying attention to it, but the fate of Belarus has already had its de- democratic uprising, its, its color revolution, so to speak, although I guess we never gave it a color. But it's, it, it exists. There, There is a movement towards freedom in Belarus that could be easily um, resurrected, I would think. Of course, our resistance to this regime uh, hasn't uh, stopped for a day since 2020. As I said, it's difficult to be vocal at the moment when uh, in Belarus people can be detained for speaking Belarusian language, for singing Belarusian songs, actually. And uh, so we live in state of uh, terror and tyranny, but uh, undergroundly we are trying to do at least small steps, you know, showing that we are still here. And Lukashenko is afraid of people. He's afraid of, he acts as if thousands of people are still uh, in front of his palace. 
Right. And he he might keep his power only thanks to violence and to support of Putin. And uh, actually, people who mm, fled Belarus, our birds and diasporas all over the world also uh, uh, work very actively, you know, to create this political pressure on Lukashenko from different parts of the world. And we build already a coalition of democratic countries who are working not with illegitimate regime, but working with democratic movement, with civil society, you know, and step by step, we are like getting this political space from Lukashenko and, uh, you know, Lukashenko will never be accepted in the democratic world, uh, in the Western world, uh, because he's war criminal, he uh, committed crimes against Persian people and he, of course, he has to bear the full responsibility for what he has done. Svetlana, do you have any hope that you'll be able to, to live one day, to go back to Belarus, live with your family, be free? Uh, I'm sure that uh, this will happen because the processes that uh, have started in 2020 and even before, um, they are unstoppable. The future of uh, our country, you know, in, to some extent depend on the outcome of the war in Ukraine. And yes. I'm sure that uh, Ukrainians will win with the support of the whole world, with the support of Belarusians. And we are not just, you know, sitting and waiting uh, when Ukrainians win. We are building structures on the ground. We are coordinating our actions uh, with those who are in Belarus and those who are in exile. Just we are preparing so-called victory plan when one day all the military infrastructures or institutions will be uh, peacefully blocked and when people will go out uh, out to the streets there will be no uh, military no kgb you know to beat people you've paid it, it must be tough for you though it's been two years now and, and you've had to work very hard you've had to live away it's, it must be difficult just for you personally for you and your family of course it's difficult you know i uh Every day you feel uh, pain. You feel pain for your husband, for all those who uh, are in jails, who sacrificed actually their freedom, some with their lives to give us opportunity to uh, work further. Uh, when you see new detentions, you when you uh, hear the stories how people have been beaten and tortured uh, in jails, uh, you understand that, look, you don't have right to stop. You might be exhausted, you might be overstressed, but you feel inspiration from your people, you feel inspiration from the countries who want to help us, and you know you're sure that one day you, you will have uh, opportunity to return uh, together with your children, to meet with your husband, and to build uh, new democratic and free Belarus together. Svetlana Tsiskanovskaya, thank you so much for your time tonight, and welcome to Canada. I hope your, your trip is a successful one. I hope so as well. Thank you so much.